Today, um, for Thanksgiving Sunday, a special message. My text comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. And this is a familiar story to many of us. But as we meditate on this, I would like us to zoom in just to three characters in this story so that we would learn from these three characters and draw from what it means to have thankful heart. And as I just prayed, uh, saying thanks might be easy habitually or as, as an etiquette, but to have thankful heart is another thing. And we are living in a culture that is teaching us to be critical about everything. Uh, when we go to store, when we participate in any kind of event, um, and when we send our kids to be critically minded, um, Bible doesn't, got, doesn't forbid us to discern to critically think. But in so doing, we could lose this grateful, thankful heart. So I'd like us to do maybe three things in this uh, morning. Let's read the passage and think about what really happened. Just make an observation. And the, the second thing is there is a comparison of two different types of heart in this story. And the third thing we like to do is to draw lesson about these uh, four keys from this passage to cultivating a thankful heart. Let's begin with reading of the scripture again. I know Stan just read verse 44 to 47, this is the whole context, beginning with verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked, asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the at table. And behold, a, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that she, he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this, is, this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering, to, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender 
had two debtors. One owed 500 denier and the other 50. When, he had, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon said, the one, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with an ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sin, sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to them to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In order for us to understand this story in a uh, clearly, we need to know the context. A few things. First of all, in this kind of banquet, uh, typically in a house of a wealthy person, this time it's a Pharisee, the religious leader, uh, that maybe his motive was trying to get Jesus in some kind of a trouble by asking him. We don't know. But he invited him. But usually, it's not a closed room, but this is a typical way of doing it, is they leave the door open. They usually meet in a courtyard. And unlike our Western style, the tables are lower, and they will recline to the table and their feet away from the table. So hence, when there's a verse, when the woman was standing behind his feet, it's kind of weird way, right? But if she's be, behind her, his feet, how can she even wet her, her wet his feet and wipe? Wipe them with her hair because its feet is on, away from the table to, to the door. How was she even to get in? Crash the party. Because typically, the doors open, the people who are invited, their special guest dignitary of the town or of somewhere else will say things, even teach, make a speech. And the people can just linger around hearing those stories and that teaching. 
That's exactly what happened. So nobody probably expected, though, that woman will come out of the, the sphere of that party into the main scene of that. That's a surprising, very offensive. It's one of those moments like they didn't know what to do. Another thing is uh, the passage doesn't specify she is a prostitute. But the typical expression of the she is a sinner means a reputation of every town, townsman and woman knew she was a sinner. So typically the, a lot of commentary will say and this person might be a, the woman of red light district that everybody recognizes. Third thing, she encountered Jesus prior to this. So when she heard that Jesus was reclining at table at this Pharisee's house, she had a purpose. She grabbed alabaster flask. It's made with long, thin leg, I, I mean neck, and then usually the expensive, a year's worth of wage. And you break the neck of it to use the ointment. So not only shock of this sinful woman, notorious woman, coming to the center of the party, banquet, but also her act, doing that, using that year's wage worth ointment, perfume on, her, on his feet was shocking enough. And then she's touching him. Remember, these are really very, very religious people. And their religion is all wrapped around outward righteousness, meaning, meaning that keeping the law. And then she was an unclean woman by the law. And by unclean woman touching him, Jesus, they're questioning, he is not a prophet. How could he? He would know who is touching him, that he is defiled by woman's touching. And notice also Jesus' attitude toward her. She was not, he was not tolerating her. Jesus is deeply touched by her extravagant love and gratitude. One thing we need to remember is that there is a similar story in John by Mary, a sister of Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus, right? Their closest friends to Jesus. And then right before the Passion Week, the last week of Jesus, Mary does similar things. But this is not that Mary. This is no Mary Magdalene, who's known as uh, notorious past as well because of seven demons uh, came out of her and whatnot. This was a nameless woman, but separate woman. 
So having set aside all those contexts and all those uh, necessary things that we need to remember, now what I want us to do is just zoom in to types of people. In light of Thanksgiving Sunday, let's look at two types of hearts. One is a grumbling heart. Simon had a grumbling heart. One is a thankful heart, extremely thankful heart. The nameless, sinful woman. The grumbling heart comes from self-absorption. Jesus said, I entered your house. You gave me no water to feed, no water for my feet. Why? Because traditionally, custom-wise, when a guest comes into Jewish house, in that time of the day, in that time of the, uh, in the historical era, the first thing to, to do is send your servant to wash their feet. Not just the cleanliness of it, but also um, purification because of the religious law. So in other words, it is a very hospitable thing to do. You haven't done anything like that. Because it basically grumbling heart. It's all wrapped around me and my and mine. But thankful heart comes from self-realization. Standing behind, behind him, weeping, she began to wet his feet. Why? The deep realization of Jesus' forgiveness of her sin. Jesus set her free. Her focus was on Jesus' mercy, God's mercy for her. One thing I'd like to confess, and in my confession, confession I, I'm trying to have you aware as well. Like a person who's sleeping does not know he's sleeping until you wake him up. The self-absorbed person does not know he or she is self-absorbed until there is a circumstantial things and they become hardened. And they become self-centered. So we should think about my heart default tendency, default mode, is not really thankful heart. And I, I need to think about, be aware of self-absorption. How do I identify that? How do I become vigilant against it? Second aspect, a grumbling heart brings anxiety and stress. Just imagine Simon getting all stressed out when the sinful woman was just approaching in the center of his party and crashing it. And then worry about all these ramifications of that and become judgmental toward Jesus. He's not a prophet. But thankful heart, on the other hand, this woman has this. Jesus saying, her sin 
which are many, are forgiven. And because that she loved much, and he's telling a story, a parable, saying two people's debt were forgiven. One of them is enormously large, larger than the other one. Just imagine that. Whatever that you might have, your school loan, or maybe your mortgage, that you still have 15, 20 years to go, and all of a sudden you hear your banker says, your mortgage is gone. All and everything is yours. Think about how grateful you, you probably go around, you know, giving free commercials about that X, Y, and Z bank. This bank is the best bank in the whole world. And this banker is the best banker. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven, you go in peace. Thankful heart, experience joy and peace. And thirdly, a grumbling heart continually looks for things, critical things, so therefore it doubts increasingly more. On the other hand, a thankful heart trusts increasingly more, and should I say, increasingly love more as well. Even within our culture, when you see a person crying, weeping, this is not one of those tears that you kind of need a little Kleenex or like this. This is just showering, dropping of heavy drops of water. It's wetting his entire feet. And then her hair coming down. How intimate is that? And put an ointment on, on his feet. Perfume. Entire houses just filled with this aroma. And she did not mind. Oh, she didn't do it for sure. She could not hold that increasing love and gratitude inside of her heart. And lastly, a grumbling heart and thankful heart is both contagious. Grumbling heart very negatively other guests begin to murmur. But watching this story, imagining even for us her extravagant love is so inspiring, so touching. It makes us to think about, hey, I should be grateful to the Lord. My sins are many as well. 
Now I want to present four lessons, four keys to cultivating a thankful heart, not just for Thanksgiving season, but all year round. Here's the first point. The first key is self-humbling. And should I say, humbling oneself. A perpetual abandonment of self-absorption. Verse 37 again, Behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was, Jesus was reclining at table in, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Of course, Jesus said, her sins are many, are forgiven. And those who have forgiven little, loves little. But in reality, her sin is public. The reputation especially as a prostitute, might be there. But what sins might be unseen by the public? If God sees the secrets of our heart, is this Pharisee actually a better person? Are we better? If we were better, good enough, we would not have Jesus dying on the cross. We would reach, with our, reach God with our self-righteousness. So it, in reality, they are really in the same boat. The one really realized her self, spiritual bankruptcy. As Jesus said, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Blessed are poor. Blessed are those who acknowledge their inability to do good things enough to reach God's standard. Because of their spiritual poverty, they will be ready to receive God's gift of salvation freely, humbly. When I, when I say perpetual abandonment of self-absorption is uh, so much easier said than done, right? But in our culture, we, we should be aware if we choose the way of Jesus that we are actually going against the current. The worldly values. What does worldly value say? You stand up, for, stand up for your right. You don't give in. You don't let people cut in when you're going into the freeway. You don't let other boys, other girls become mean to our kids. We need to stand up for, we need to teach our kids stand up for themselves. Healthy boundaries, absolutely right. But I'm talking about the Christian principle. Jesus' way is that we are recklessly abandoning our self-absorption. Not I, but Christ lives in me. 
And it starts with declaring ourselves bankruptcy, our poverty in our heart. Do you realize your own sins and your hopelessness without God? And do you realize that even if you have all these things, your house, your car, you're just adorable kids and everything that Orange County are rooting for, that affluence and comfort, Without God, you're hopeless. I am hopeless. And then as, as we decide to perpetually abandon our self-absorption, we begin to see our need. And we begin to see Every drop of God's mercy is so precious. We're grateful. Psalm 131, verse 133 says this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. King James will say, or the NIV will say, this is more literal translation, ESV, English Standard Version, O Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not raised too high. So another way of, I'm not haughty. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my heart, my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What's weaned child all about? For those moms who experienced breastfeeding and you're weaning your child, it is difficult because that's a hard break to break. So uh, it, depending on some cultures or some people, you know, I've seen three-year-old kid still breastfeeding, going for comfort. But when child happens, what happens is discomfort and not having that familiarity is actually helping him to wind, to be weaned from breastfeeding. And that's exactly what he's saying. I calmed my heart and quieted my heart, my soul. And as I am looking to you, even when you seem silent, Lord, that you don't answer my prayer right away, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. Because you are the gospel to me. You are the blessing to me. In you, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lack nothing. 
Number two key is a decisive action. An expression of spirit-led thanks to God. Verse 38, this woman is standing behind him at his feet. Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with an ointment. And notice that in spite of this awkward situation and she has only chance that Jesus is there and this is not a very sympathetic compassionate crowd this is a judgmental crowd and this is there is a stare of every person there what if she hesitated I brought the alabaster flask. I could do X, Y, and Z with this. Maybe next year I'll do it. Or maybe after Christ goes away, when Jesus is alone, I could approach him. All kinds of reasons. Sisters and brothers, Thanksgiving heart, thankful heart, comes from our decisive action to give thanks. And it multiplies. So we are to act on the first prompt when you have this, oh, I should be expressing my thanks. Have you ever done that? I, I'm, a, I'm really guilty of it. Somebody gave me really nice gift because of appreciation of pastor's month or something. And then I would wait. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm really thankful. I am. But I put it off. I could do it tomorrow. I could do it yesterday. And I missed the window and it becomes awkward after two weeks. Uh, you know that th- thank you card that you wrote, that word, kind words, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? It's thankful. I'm really thankful. Awkward. So, ah, forget it. It doesn't, doesn't make my heart be more thankful if I hesitate. And also... It doesn't become contagious. My thankfulness toward that person, if, if there is a thanksgiving going on, that person is deeply more thankful. The initial thank you cards the person wrote to me. It's the same thing, even, you know, uh, another confession that I would like to do is we take it for granted from the love that we receive from the closest people. All my wife knows I'm thankful. So I'll write a card on her, on her birthday later. There, there is a t- 
time that I feel this, what she does, that there was a time that she was gone about two weeks for a retreat. Oh, in the China trip also too. And initially, I'm a capable man. I could handle four boys. No, no, no problem whatsoever. But every meal, I'm thinking about, I have to feed them. Okay, dinosaur chicken. All right. Dad, we had that lunch. Mom cooks fresh meal for us. What do you do? Laundry. I, 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 did, I would, didn't want to feel shame. So the day before she, she arrived, I did six loads of laundry. Oh, that laundry six load is big enough, but folding... I'm one of those men that I cannot concentrate on two things at a time. So folding, the kids are asking questions. <laughs> so decisive action is a small window of opportunity when prompting comes from the Holy Spirit. You should express Psalm 108, 1-2 says, My heart is steadfast, O God. Once again, another translation. My heart is fixed. King James says that. I like that. Fixed heart. In other words, determined. I'm not wishing, wishing. I'm thinking about it. I'm halfway. Maybe, maybe not. In order to have, for us to have a decisive action, our heart needs to be fixed. Oh God, I will sing and make melody with my, all my being. Awake, O oh harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. This is what David is saying in the morning. I get up, I don't, I, I don't think about my feelings. Should I, should I not praise God? I will awake the dawn. Third key is sharing gratitude. A declaration of God's work for you. Verse 37 to 38, what she does is doing, she does it publicly, which means that woman's gratitude was displayed. I'll do it in private. And a lot of times, this is what testimony is all about. We could do this to even to unbelievers, very irreligious people, when they're asking, what have you done past week, Thanksgiving? Oh, I wrote things that are, I'm thankful for. You know, what I, what I want to share is, God saw my need in this area and he met my knees. I'm deeply thankful. He has done wonderful things. He has done a miracle of healing my relationship with my wife, my husband. He restored my hope for some of the kids that I have and some of, some of the relatives that I have. 
about their salvation. Why is this so important? I thought about when I was thinking about this, all those infomercials. And have you seen those infomercials? Some of them has a little fine line at the, at the very end. These people are not paid. So they are not actors. They are doing it. The infomercial, whatever the product is, this changed my life. I am so grateful for this. So they are actually cannot stop sharing that. So are we. When you get a best deal somewhere, do you keep it in your side? In your, in, you like, I couldn't believe this usually is $120. I got it at $40. Can you believe it? But when it comes to our relationship with God, and we say we're thankful, but sharing gratitude, sharing our testimony, what God has done, we, we seem so hesitant. This is what thankful heart looks like. Thankful heart shares gratitude. In turn, it becomes more filled with thankfulness. Psalm 66, verse 16 and 17, 16 and 19 through 20 says this. Come here, all you hear, you, you fear God. I will tell you what he has done for my soul. But truly God has listened. This is what he has done for, for the psalmist. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God. Because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. When was the last time to your friends? Hey, so and so, hear what God has done for me. This is so incredible things that I'm grateful for. The fourth and last key is all out thanksgiving. All out giving thanks, in other words. An extravagant love and gratitude. I think this passage uh, story stands out so clearly to us because of this aspect of uh, when Jesus commenting her about her to Pharisee um, Simon the host in verse 44 he says do you see this woman do you see this woman she's not invisible I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
And if I put a commentary mark there, you're surprised by that, aren't you? You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Her thankful heart was just overflowing. She, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with anointment. A year's worth, ways worth anointment. And therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. We need to be careful to understand this. It, it doesn't mean that she loved much, therefore she's forgiven. No, she, her sins are forgiven, which are many, because of that she loves much in response. And she gives that, he, he gave that story, right? But consider two critical questions in this. Number one, why was Jesus so pleased, touched by her act? And number two, why is her act of thanksgiving so inspiring to us? I think the answer lies in both on this. Is our thanksgiving to God so tamed or all out? Sacrificial, all out. And that's the difference. And I want to charge Crossway family, starting with me. We have a small window of this Thanksgiving week, even today. Is your going is your Thanksgiving be so tamed or hesitant or unreserved, all out, extravagant? I think the Spirit will prompt you, whether it's a verbal sharing, whether you're writing in a journal, uh, whether asking God, how can I render to you what you have done for me? There's nothing I could do to pay back, Lord. So my body, the only thing that I have, I give my life my body, my all, to you. Use it for your glory. One little caveat is that to those of us who think that I, I can hardly find what I'm thankful for, this year has been a terrible year, difficult year for me. Let's remind ourselves about 1 Corinthians 5.18. Give thanks in everything. Not for everything. Your dad has a cancer. Your mom has a cancer. That's a bad thing. But in that cancer, you can still, in 
that terrible cancer, give thanks to the Lord because He is good. He is over that cancer. His goodness controls and sovereignly all the things. Let's not merely focus on blessings and gifts, but first focus on the blesser and the giver of gifts. Then our hearts will be thankful. Crossway, we don't have a Sunday site for four Sundays because Orange County Unified District closed down all the schools on those Christmas break. But the back, front end and the back end, those Sundays, although the winter break is only three weeks, the counting is four Sundays. We don't have where to meet. So we figured it out. First and last Sunday, but still two Sundays in the middle, we don't have any idea. Can we thank, give thanks to God in this Thanksgiving Sunday? Yes! Because He's good. And if you ask me, it's been a tough, difficult year, difficult season for me. And God has pruned me in several different ways past few weeks and months. It hurts. The cutting involved. The sharpening of my rough edges. If I think about all those things, I said self-absorbed, and I could be grumbling person, grumpy old man, I, which I could easily be. Ask my sons; they know. But if I focus on God, who has saved me, who has patience toward me, who is merciful to me. I could be thankful. You can be thankful. Psalm 116, the psalmist said, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I close with this uh, excerpt from Henny Nowen. He writes, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy, but to be grateful for all our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. Still, we are only grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought to us to the present moment. 
As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that, ha that has us brought to brought us to where we are and trust that we will soon see it in it the guiding hand of loving God.